I was walking in the front door of my house and I saw something that I hadn't thought about or seen in a while. I had bought a bonsai tree probably about a year ago. I had every intention of setting it up somewhere and trimming the branches and just using it to keep me calm and relaxed. And what happened is I set it somewhere and I forgot about it. A little bit after that, my mother-in-law decided she was gonna take it, put it in a bigger pot, set it on the table, and let it grow in the sun. And at first I was kind of angry because that's not the point of the bonsai tree. The bonsai tree is to be kept trimmed and keep me calm. And at the end of the day, my laziness outweighed my anger towards my mother-in-law about the bonsai tree. And I just let it sit there. I figured, well, she'll get some use out of it. She can enjoy growing the plant. Well, the other day I noticed that it was on the side of my house out in the front yard in the pot that she had transferred it to. And I was thinking in my head, that's kind of an eyesore right there. It doesn't really go where it's at. So I walked over to it. And I was going to take it and put it back in the backyard. And when I tried to lift it, not only had it grown so it was heavier, but it had grown roots through the pot and planted itself in the ground in front of the house. And when I tried to pull it up and I realized the roots were deeper than I thought, I just left it where it was and... God showed me something about that. God used that to illustrate a point to me that sometimes that's what sin is like in our lives. Sometimes we have every intention of just indulging in a sin to calm us down, to help us relax, to just help us unwind. Sometimes we think that if we trim it up nice, keep it tidy, maintain its size, maintain its shape, it'll be something that's appealing. Some of us entertain anger because we believe that it'll give us some sort of power or control. Some of us hold on to lust because we think that it'll give us just enough satisfaction to get by. But at the end of the day, what we intend and what happens are always two different things. Anybody that's ever watched Star Wars knows that a lot of times it's the noble idea, the good intentions that lead us to the dark side. Sometimes it's the simplest, most honorable things in our minds. Sometimes it's, it's the most romantic thing we can think of that lead us down the path to destruction. There's an older saying than Star Wars that puts it, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I believe that. Nobody sets out in their life to sin just for the sake of it. Usually we have an idea of something good. Usually we think that it's going to deliver something that we're missing out on. And when we get to the point where it starts to sink in, it starts to grow roots, it starts to 
dig down into our souls, by that point, we've already forgotten that it's there. We've stopped trimming it. We've stopped manicuring it. We've stopped keeping control of it. And before we know it, it's an eyesore that everybody can see. When we fill our lives with sin, when we fill our lives with these things, we may have started out with the best of intentions. We may have thought that we were doing something noble or good, or we thought that we were doing something that wouldn't hurt anybody else. But at the end of the day, what happens is it starts to grow. It starts to move. It starts to sink in. And then it becomes an eyesore. Our sin stands out to other people. That's been in front of my house probably for the majority of the time that I've been forgetting about it. And now it's so deep-rooted in there that I can't just pull it out. I can't trim it down. I can't manicure it. I can't maintain it. I can't do what I had set out to do with that sin. It's grown too far out of my control. And the Bible paints a picture similar to this. It shows in one of the books of the Bible that isn't really overly spiritual, that doesn't really reference God. And really, I always question why it's even in the Bible, other than the fact that it's attributed to Solomon. And it's the Song of Solomon or Song of Psalms, or Song of Songs, depending on what uh, translation you're using. And it's chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. And this has a lot of theological truth to it. It's talking about a love relationship between Solomon and a woman. And it's talking about the small, minuscule things that we tend to miss out on. Those are the things that we're not looking for. Those are the things that are tearing up our harvest, that are tearing up the things of our souls. It's not the big sins that do the most damage. Sometimes it's the small ones that we don't even notice. Because when we struggle with the big sins, we focus on it. We pray about it. We try to, we try our hardest to remove it. It's the sins we don't think are sins, or the sins we don't think to look for, or the sins that are hidden in our good intentions that cause the most damage to our our crops, to our souls, to our hearts. And just to highlight that, there's a story in uh that it, it's talking about uh Samson. He says this time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. So Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches, and he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and set fire to the stacked grain and the standing grain, as well as the olive orchards. Then the, Phil the Philistines said, Who has done this? What he did is he took something that was small and let it run rampant in the fields of the Philistines. And what it did was cause mass destruction. It set a course of events that led to Samson's 
ultimate destruction and also the Philistines. This was an act of defiance on Samson's part. And it was a lack of vigilance on the Philistines part. Because I don't know how easy it is to round up 300 foxes, tie them together, and then tie torches to them without people noticing what you're doing. It seems to me that that would be pretty noticeable, regardless of how big these fields were, if they had full view of their crops. Yet, the Bible says that Samson did that, and it brings the point that those foxes were probably so small, so minuscule, that they weren't looking for them. They probably figured if a fox comes in here and destroys our harvest, we have more. We have plenty. We can maintain what we have. We can just do enough to protect the majority of our, our stuff. But at the end of the day, it all became ruined because of small foxes, small things that have gone astray, that have torn apart the vineyards. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, Paul warns us about what we indulge in, what we put into our bodies, because he knows how that can grow, how it can root itself. He says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Paul is using another gardening analogy. He knows that when you plant a seed, what you plant grows. What grows is what you harvest. And what you harvest is what you have to offer everybody else. So when you plant seeds of sin, when you plant seeds of iniquity, and they grow into corruption... That's all you have to off offer to other people. When they ask you what's what's for dinner, when they ask you for anything, what you're giving them is what you've put in your body. What you're giving them is what you put in your soul. When I do something sinful, if I keep a sin in my my mind or my body, if I if I indulge in the things of the flesh, that's what comes out. When I'm not right spiritually, I'm not right at all. If I become angry, I become distant, I go through these things that everybody knows aren't right. They, they know that I'm not in a good place. And it's because I'm reaping what I've sown. It's because I'm if I plant the flesh, the flesh is what comes out. And God wants us to not just remove the sin, but to plant his love. God doesn't want us to just throw seeds at random and hope that some of them are spiritual. He wants us to put his spirit inside of us. The Bible is full of imagery that relates to planting a seed, that 
relates to harvesting crops. And I think part of that reason is because sometimes when we plant these seeds of the flesh, sometimes when we plant these seeds of the spirit even, it takes time to grow these things. We don't always notice it at first. Sometimes we put it in the ground, water it, nurture it. We think we're going to take care of it. We forget about it and it becomes overgrown before we even realize that it's turned into a sprout. Sometimes people are right spiritually, but we're not seeing the progress that they're making. Sometimes people may look spiritual, but we're not seeing the progress that the sin is taking in their lives. Sometimes when we plant a seed, it looks like there's nothing going on, but what's happening underneath the surface is all too important to just neglect. It's all too important to just ignore. My bonsai tree may have been a slight inconvenience that is possibly permanent, but I know what the, the cure is. I can't just trim it down. I can't just keep it manicured now. The only way to remove it is to kill it. And Paul talks about this. We have to crucify our flesh. We have to kill what's in us that we would reap corruption from. We have to kill the weeds. We have to kill what's negative in us and replace it with good crop. And the more God showed me this, the more God showed me how this plays a part in my life, the more I realized just how broken I, I've been at times. Just how important it is to keep track of the small things, the little things, the things you don't think are sin. Sometimes if you get angry and you let that marinate, you let that simmer, it's natural to become angry when somebody's harmed you. When it becomes sin is when you allow it to grow, when you allow it to rest in your heart when you turn it into a resentment, that's when it starts to tear you apart. That's when it starts to eat at your soul. That's when it starts to turn you into something else. And when God showed me this, it showed me that there's a lot of things in my life that I don't know are there. There's things in my life that I'm probably doing right now that I don't realize are destroying me from the inside. There's things in my life that I need to be more vigilant about looking for that may not even be apparent to me. One of the prayers that I pray often is that God will show me what's broken. Make what's broken hurt so that I know that it needs to heal. Sometimes I ask God to break me so that he can make me into something that is stronger than it was before. These are hard prayers to pray because nobody wants to be broken. Nobody wants to hurt. But if you have broken a bone in your body and your body doesn't tell you that it's broken and you go to walk on a broken leg or you try to lift something with a broken arm, you're going to end up in more pain, in more discomfort, and in a worse position than you were before you started hurting at, to begin with. Sometimes God makes us hurt so that we stop doing something. 
Our pain is simply just to tell us, stop doing what you're doing. Our pain serves the purpose of protecting us. When people talk about the problem of evil, how could God allow bad things to happen? God allows things to happen to us, to the good, to the bad, because sometimes it serves a purpose that we can't see. Sometimes he does things in our lives that hurt. The reason he does that is because he doesn't just want us to be happy pets. He doesn't want us to be his hamsters. He wants us to be his children. Sometimes children get hurt and they learn. And it's painful, not just to watch your child be hurt, but it's painful for them. And they understand less than we do because they're experiencing pain they don't understand that they haven't learned a lesson from yet. So when I take these things to God, when I feel something isn't right, when I feel like I'm hurting, instead of cursing God like I used to do, I praise God and I thank Him for that. Because he's showing me that there's something broken that only he can fix. When I bring him my brokenness, he fixes it. He heals it. He brings it to complete and utter joy. He takes my pain and brings it to joy. He takes my tears and turns them into laughter. The Bible is full of these things. The Bible is full of this happening. And even though I know that, it's hard for me to do. It's hard for me to think about. I know that when a tree is watered and it's in the sun, it's going to grow. And part of the tree is the roots. But when I don't focus on that, when I don't think about that, and it starts to grow deep into that ground and it starts to dig itself in, it becomes a problem. I know what sin does. I know sin causes pain. I know sin causes destruction. But my short memory, my short attention span makes me think that it's going to be okay this time. It's not going to do that this time. This time I'm going to be able to control it. I'm going to be able to trim it down. I'm going to be able to make it look nice. But that has never been the case. When I look in the book of Exodus, and I see when the Israelites were going through the wilderness, and you think, wow, you have God leading you as a pillar of smoke by day to protect you from the sun and the elements, and a pillar of fire by night to lead you and give you light, yet every five seconds you're trying to build an idol to another, another deity. What's wrong with you? You're trying to run away because things are getting hard. God gives you manna and you start crying to go back to Egypt. But we do that sometimes. We don't see the full picture that God does. We have short attention spans. Our worlds are only the size of what's between our ears. So I pray that God would give me this, the sight to see what's inside of me. Because this, I can see. This, I can focus on. If I know how my pain 
is good for me, if I know how my pain is helpful to me, then that's something I can understand. I can't solve the problems of the world. I can't tell you why God allows certain things to happen to other people. But if I really think about it and I think about what God is trying to teach me in my life, that's something I can handle. That's something that is still a stretch, but it's something that's manageable with God's help. And I'm grateful for every time God shows me when I'm wrong, when God shows me there's something broken, when God shows me that I need to change. And I'm grateful when God allows me to feel my brokenness, to feel the weight of my pain, the weight of my sin. Because when I feel that weight, then I go to God to, re to remove it. When I feel that hurt, that's when I cry out to God to save me. If I'm still manicuring it, and I'm still trimming it down, and I'm still trying to keep it looking nice, God can't fix that. God can't save that. If I still think it's not a problem, God will not remove it. There's some things when I became a Christian that immediately fell away. There's other things in my life that when I became a Christian, I didn't see for a couple of years. There's things I still don't see in me that are broken. And I'm grateful when God shows me, when God allows it to hurt, when God allows it to open up my eyes to something I didn't see before, because then God can bring healing. And God doesn't just remove things. He plants new things in their place. He makes the ground fertile. He allows good crop to grow. I read something that was talking about what is a fruit? How do you know what a fruit is? And they described it as a fruit is what falls out of a tree when you bump into it. When we become uncomfortable, when we are pushed to our limits, what happens afterwards from our perspective, what we do is the fruit that we bear. A good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit. That's what the Bible says. So if somebody bumps into us, if somebody pushes us, and we react in a way that's not godly, that's the fruit we're bearing. That's what we've planted. But it doesn't have to be what we continue to grow. We can start over. We can turn that around. We can replant a new harvest. I want to pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, help us to see what's broken in us. Help us to pull the weeds and pull out the plants that don't serve us any purpose. Let the bad fruit die and let new growth come in its place. Help us to see what you're doing in our lives and help us to be less resistant to it. Help us to realize that sometimes when we feel pain, the pain isn't there to let us to hurt us. It's there to let us know that something's broken and that we need to stop. God, show us 
what's broken inside of us so that we can heal. Help us to stop walking on our broken legs. Help us stop trying to pull our weight with our broken arms. Help us to rest in yours instead. We thank you for all that you do. Anybody that's under the sound of my voice, God, that doesn't know you, help them to know you. Help them to know you better and help them to grow in you. I thank you for everything, God. I love you and praise you. And it's in your holy son's name, Christ Jesus, I pray. Amen.